I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. I have to say this is not what I expected. No, Murata Salad has evolved. We return to to the Hyatt to get this Murata Salad. I mean, I wouldn't say we came here for it, but... (laughs) We were looking forward to it. We were. And it's different. It's a bit of a bust. Yeah. Oh, well. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, a podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today is our 250th episode. Woohoo! I don't know how it's possible, but this week, in honor of the big 250, we're going to share with our listeners our personal favorite topics that we've discussed on the podcast to date. Yes, 25 of them. Also, a note of appreciation. It really helps us when listeners use our sponsors. So thank you for doing that. Keep using that HIH code and keep visiting those sponsors. Okay, Liz, we're doing our 20 five favorite segment topics. You want to share one of our absolute favorites since this came from you? Yes, we're starting with one of our absolute favorites, Embrace a New Identity. We talked about this very recently in episode 248, and that was related to me now having two puppies, Daisy and Nacho, (laughs) and the fact that I never thought I would be a dog person, and it appears that I am, so I realized I have a new identity and got us thinking about how we can all embrace new identities at any time in life. We don't have to be boxed in. Yes, and this really, really resonated with so many of our listeners. And then, Liz, our next very favorite was interviewing Jenna Fisher, One, we're both huge fans of Jenna Fisher, so it was exciting to, at that point, we were not recording remotely. We were, like, in the recording booth with her, which was super cool. And her book, The Actor's Life, A Survival Guide, 
is something we have talked about on the podcast many times since then. It's such a great book for anyone who's in a creative profession, and we recommend it constantly. So that yes. was a big favorite for us. Yes, yes. And she was wonderful. Of course, since then, Sarah, she started her own podcast called Office Ladies, which is a huge hit. Another favorite, episode 69, we interviewed Channing Dungy. Now, Channing had been our dream interview forever, and we were at Upfronts in New York for The Fix, and we saw Channing at a party, and she mentioned the podcast, and we said, well, hey, we would love to have you on. And she said, sure, and she followed through, and she came on. At that point, Channing was president of ABC Entertainment, now she has an even bigger job. Yes, now she is the chairwoman and CEO of Warner Brothers Television Studios. She's one of our favorite people in Hollywood. She's just a wonderful person. You know, it's funny, Liz, because when I think of that interview with Channing, I actually remember that afterwards she recommended Simple Mills crackers to me because she knows I'm gluten-free <laughs> and I'd never had them before. And so now every time I have the Simple Mills crackers, which is a lot, I think of Channing. That is so funny. An interesting detail that came out of that interview was that she loves to give notes. She always did. And then it makes sense that she gives some of the best notes in town. The best. And then, Liz, we did a bonus episode. This episode does not have a number, but it was a bonus episode where we delivered our American Beauties pitch. And, I mean, we delivered the entire pitch we love that pitch so much and would love for that to be a show. So it was fun to revisit it. And we really wanted people to, you know, we talk about pitching all the time and we wanted people to hear for themselves the structure of a pitch, the performance of a pitch. That was, I, I loved doing that episode. Yeah. And it's interesting because there are different styles of pitching. You and I tend to write out every word. Even when we say we're not going to, we inevitably totally. end up writing out every word. Some people are more extemporaneous, but you have to be really good to pull that off. Another favorite, Sarah, this was episode 47, in which we talked with our collaborator, Marsha Clark, about collaboration. Yes, we worked with Marsha on every element of our show, The Fix. And she's really, I would say, our favorite person to collaborate closely with. So it was really fun to sit down and talk with her. And that interview was actually conducted at, what is the cemetery, list? Hollywood Forever Cemetery? Yes. Yeah, we were shooting there. We set up all of our equipment on the second floor patio of one of the buildings. <laughs> and we were all sitting there around a table talking about collaborating. Marsha yes. is... Talk about a great collaborator. She really is. Yes. Now, Sarah, our next segment is one that resonated a lot with listeners. We still hear about this all the time. Um, yes. And it was in episode 144. We talked about what is your canary in a coal mine? And what we mean by this is, you know, miners used to send down a canary and if the canary lived, it meant that the air was okay to breathe for the day. And if the canary died, obviously it meant the air was not okay to breathe. And it, for us, it's like, what tells us when we're stressed? And yours at the time, I couldn't identify with at all. <laughs> I know mine was, I really want a puppy. Whenever 
I'm kind of on the edge of things being really not good. I, I start looking online for rescue puppies and I think, okay, this is a terrible idea. Something must <laughs> need correcting in my life. And yours was hilarious, Liz. Yes, my canary in a coal mine is buying conservative clothes. I was doing that a lot when we were getting Fantasy Island up and running. And then remember one time we were waiting to see if Alex Graves was going to direct our selection pilot. And uh-huh. I went to the mall and I bought Gucci loafers, which were very conservative. And I ended up giving them to my mom because they were too conservative <laughs> for me. Oh my God. Amazing. I'm sure your mom loves them. She does. She wears them all the time. So it worked out perfectly. <laughs> yes. And then in episode 156, we talked to Allison Fanger, who was our Costume designer on The Fix, Emmy-nominated costume designer, one of the most delightful human beings on the planet. And we talked to her about what to wear on Zoom. We had recently all gone into lockdown and were acquainting ourselves with an entirely new way of communicating. And Allison had some great thoughts on how we should present ourselves from, like, the chest up. Yes. One of her suggestions was to wear a denim shirt, a denim collared shirt. I immediately bought two the day of that conversation. (laughs) And since then, I have been searching for collared shirts. I'm very prone now to buying collared shirts over everything else. Allison also suggested having bold glasses, which I still want really bold glasses. Mine are only, I'd say, like a quarter bold. Semi-bold? Semi-bold. Demi-bold? Yes. <laughs> yes. Demi-bold glasses. I need full bold. <laughs> yes. And then number eight of out of our favorite 25 things we've talked about is our boulder pusher episode. So this was an idea, it was episode 212, and it's an idea we got from Adam Belanoff, one of the writers on Fantasy Island. And he was saying that there are different kinds of people in a writer's room. So there's the best kind of people are the boulder pushers. They push the boulder up the hill. Then you also have people who watch the boulder pushers. They sit back and observe. Yeah, and then you have people who push the boulder back down the hill, which is probably everyone's least favorite person. And Liz, I think it was a listener who wrote an email saying that she was a boulder sitter, someone who sits on the boulder to kind of make sure that it's going the right direction, which I thought was a really interesting role as well. Anyway, so we got a lot of feedback on that episode, and we very, very often think about that framework for ourselves and for other people. Like, are we pushing the boulder up the hill right now? Which is our job. That is our job, exactly. Then we need to reorient ourselves and start pushing up. Yes, yes. Showrunners need to be boulder pushers. Absolutely. And then number nine was episode 98. We talked about It's interesting. This is another writer's room favorite. We talked about specific roles that writers have in the writer's room. There are problem solvers, amplifiers, builders, analyzers, the big idea person. Every single role in a writer's room is really important. And I think actually the best writer's room would have someone in all of these roles. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how, especially for women, it's very important to have an amplifier 
in the room. Yes, absolutely. You and I are that for each other. Yes, yes. Okay, coming up, more of our favorite segments, including Schrodinger's cat. But first, the spray. <laughs> Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, we're back going through our 25 favorite podcast segments. Number 10 on the list is from episode 147, and it's when we discussed how our career is constantly wrestling with Schrodinger's cat. Can you explain to everyone what Schrodinger's cat is? I don't know, but I will try. (laughs) It's basically a theory Uh, It's like a thought experiment that inside a box is a cat with something lethal in the box, and the cat could at any time be alive or be dead. So the cat is both alive and dead at the same time. And and it occurred to us that that really is what our career feels like the vast majority of the time. Yes, we are always on the cusp of great success and great failure at any given moment. (laughs) All the time. Every moment, yes. yes. The cat's alive and dead at all times. (laughs) And then Liz number 11 was in episode 179 when we talked to Annie Duke, who was a very famous professional poker player and who now is writing books about decision-making. She is so smart. And it's interesting because for me, this is particularly resonant as someone who made a huge decision that I'm like, oh, God, was that a good decision or a bad decision? I'm really not sure. I'm talking about moving to Ojai. But it's comforting because Annie Duke's point, which you reminded me, was a decision can be a good decision even if the outcome isn't what you wanted. Yeah, her main point is that you can't judge a decision based on the outcome because there are many factors over which you don't have control. You can only make a good decision based on like the factors that you know going into it. But the outcome may be good or it may be bad. In other words, a bad decision can have a good outcome. That doesn't mean it was a good decision. (laughs) Exactly. Plus, Annie Duke is just cool. So it was like, and that was really early in the pandemic when we were just starting to do Zoom recordings. And I remember sitting in my closet, I think, (laughs) going, wow, here I am talking to Annie Duke. Sarah, number 12, and this has to be one of our top segments with listeners, which was a segment called Down with Exclamation Points. And we (laughs) talked about how all of us, and we are totally guilty of this, use too many exclamation points, especially in emails. 
And we talked about how as women, we often use exclamation points to make it clear that we're being warm and friendly and enthusiastic. And please don't misinterpret this email as as us being downers or difficult. And the exclamation point overload can feel unprofessional. Yes. And very often, Liz, we get emails about unrelated subjects. Mm-hmm. And people will, will include an exclamation point and then be like, I really felt like this exclamation point was was necessary and valid in this instance. Yes. Because people know that we are the people who don't like exclamation points. But I have to admit, we also use them still. I mean, it's not like oh, we yes. have stopped using them. No, and we debate it. We'll, be, we'll say to each other, should yes. there be an exclamation point or should there be a period? All the time. All the time. Daily. Daily. And this is another one, Liz, that really resonated with our listeners. Number 13 from episode 37 is sorry, not sorry. And this came up two days ago. We were talking to someone who was apologizing to us, and she was saying as she was apologizing that she recognized that she shouldn't be apologizing. <laughs> Because it really wasn't something to be sorry about. We often, as women, tend to apologize for things that are really not our fault. So we talked about how sometimes it's better to say thanks for understanding instead of apologizing. Yes. Sometimes people feel as though they have to apologize for breathing, and it's just not necessary. And over-apologizing is another thing that really disempowers you. So if you're trying to climb the ladder at work, over-apologizing is not going to help. Right. But a good apology when needed is welcome. Absolutely. It's just knowing when to apologize and when to say thanks for understanding. Now, 14, Sarah, this is one of my personal favorites because I think it really changed how we looked at making deals. And this is from episode 107, and we talked to Michael Donaldson, who's an entertainment lawyer, about the wish-want-walk method of negotiation. Michael says, if you're in a negotiation, come up with your dream number, the number you would love to get. Then come up with a number you think you can get that still makes sense in terms of you doing a particular job. And then come up with a number at which you will walk away from the negotiation. And that's kind of the most important number. Yeah. And it's not just about numbers. It's also about terms. Yes. And we have used this approach really ever since that conversation. And I would say we're still not as tough as we would ideally want to be, but that's okay because we have a lawyer who is a total badass, who will be tough for us. (laughs) Yes, it helps. It really does. And with his help, I think we're a lot more inclined to commit to walking if necessary. Yes. But I really would suggest anyone who's starting out and is just having your first job or your second job, go listen to episode 107 and use this when you're negotiating because... A lot of times, even if you have an agent or a lawyer, you're sort of guiding them. You need to know what you think you want. You can't totally rely on them. Yes, and I wish desperately that we had read Michael's book or talked to him many, many years before we did. Yes. Okay, and then number 15 on our list of favorite topics is from episode 214, Be an insulator. And this is a compliment that someone gave us last season on Fantasy Island when things were really tough. One of our writers said that we 
were insulators, meaning people who kind of keep all the brutal electrical charges to themselves and don't pass them on to others. And I have to say, at the time, we didn't feel that way. So it was (laughs) very, very nice to hear. Oh, it sure was. It brought us nearly to tears. (laughs) It did. Yes. But I think it's a really important thing to think about as a boss or for anyone who is supervising anyone else, because so often people will rain their own stress down on the people around them and the people who work for them. And it just doesn't help anything. No, it really doesn't. We have each other to do that with. Exactly. (laughs) This subject from episode 92 is something you and I sort of live and die by, which is, does this move the needle? When you get a note or there is some sort of conflict or question about a script or about production, ask yourself, does this move the needle? And if it's, I think we use the example of a red dress versus a blue dress, that's probably not going to move the needle about whether or not your show gets picked up. But if something does move the needle, then it's worth fighting for. Right. It's funny. We had a conversation about this just earlier. The script says a dinghy, and we're actually using a wooden boat. And it's like, you know, that's not going to move the needle. The wooden boat is just fine. (laughs) So many times decisions that you could raise a stink over just aren't important. Yeah. And that's a lesson that I think we learned the hard way between the beginning of our career and now. And at some point you said, Liz, this is fully your thing. You said, is this going to move the needle? Meaning like, are we going to get a 0.9 versus a 0.8 based on Hmm. this? And it's like, no, no, it's not. Not going to move the needle. Oh, goodness. It made our lives a lot easier. (sighs) Yes. (laughs) And then, Sarah, in episode 209, love this one, we talked about how sometimes it's not a fun job and we don't enjoy it. Because, of course, our motto is it's a fun job and we enjoy it, but that's not always the case. Oh, sadly, that is true. It would be nice, wouldn't it? (laughs) It would be great. Yeah. I maintain that having that as our motto makes the times when it's not fun and we don't enjoy it a little more bearable. I agree. And Liz, number 18 comes from episode one. And I believe this came from a listener of Happier. Am I right about that? Yes, we were talking about manifestos on Happier. And one of our listeners, part of her manifesto is don't treat a gift like a burden. And it really landed with you and me hard. Yes, we put it on the whiteboard in our old office. And we constantly remind ourselves in those times when it's not a fun job and we don't enjoy it, we often say Don't treat a gift like a burden. I mean, so many things in our lives are gifts that sometimes feel not so great. And that is one of those phrases that is, that can be a lifesaver. Yes. Or a sanity saver, sometimes both. Yes. (laughs) Now, Sarah, in episode 42, we talked about volunteers, not recruits. And I have to say, probably next to don't treat a gift like a burden, this is something we say all the time. And it's basically, yeah. if somebody doesn't want to work on your show, is that's where it comes up most often for us, don't try to get them to do so. You want somebody who wants to be there, not somebody you have to recruit. And I would say this is true in everything from hiring a contractor to... Uh, choosing a school to, I mean, this goes for every aspect 
of your life. If you have to recruit someone to do something, not it's just not going to end well. You yes. really want people who are volunteers. And we think about that when we're thinking about jobs as well. We want to be volunteers, not recruits. Yes. yes. And we want people who want us. Yeah. If you're not sure, just pass. <laughs> All right, Liz, coming up, our final five. If you haven't heard your favorite moment yet, it might be next. But first, this break. Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Okay, Sarah, we are back with our final five favorite segments. Number 20 is from episode five, and it was called Release the Banana. And this comes from an old story, which is that a monkey is in the jungle and there's a coconut and he puts his hand inside the coconut and grabs a banana because there's a banana in there. And then there's a trapper coming to get him and he can't get his hand out of the coconut without releasing the banana. And so he therefore can't run away, but he won't release the banana. And it's about how we all hold on to bananas that are not useful to us, but we're not willing to release them. Yes. And we swore that we were going to be better at releasing the banana. I think the first step is realizing you're holding a banana. Yes. Which we've probably gotten better at. And then releasing the banana. Liz, it was hilarious, though, because it reminded me of, of a story that Violet told about when we were shooting a pilot in New York. And she was walking down the street. She was like three years old at the time, walking down the street, <laughs> eating a banana. And she unpeeled it. And it was so windy that the banana literally <laughs> flew the top of the banana flew off and the guy behind her caught the banana and handed it back to her. So catch Not the banana a, would be the other, yeah. I guess, the evolution exactly. of this. I don't know what that means. Let's release the banana. I don't know what it means either, but it was so cute. Either release it or catch it. <laughs> okay. And then number 21 is from episode 242. This is our very favorite team motto ever. What would Dolly do? What would Dolly do 2022? Oh, I, my gosh. I'm sorry. I, you're right. That's the most important part. What would Dolly do 2022? Yes, we always love our team motto every year. We've had um, Ride the Dragon, Juicy Fruit, 
Lots of great team mottos. Explode, I believe, was one. But what would Dolly do 2022 is the most delightful. And our listeners are loving it, too. We get lots of emails about it. Yes. And I have to say, we're in Puerto Rico right now. But when we get back to our new house, we're moving in like two weeks. I'm going to get a bunch of Dolly swag for my new office. I need to get some for mine as well. It's a must. Okay, number 22, in episode four, we did an LVS, that's our Liz versus Sarah segment, on whether or not Sarah should dye her hair. Sarah had gone gray, and I was half trying to convince her to dye her hair. (laughs) At first, you weren't going to. Then a listener said, think about if you could blink your eye and it was done, would you do it? And you said, yes, you would. So therefore, you did dye it, and then you regretted it. Yes. And then I had to go through the whole process of growing it out again, which is like a year-long process or more. So the current status of my hair is not dyed. It's very, I'm going to say salt and pepper, but let's be honest, in the front, it's basically salt and salt. And I don't know. I mean, I still honestly waver about it. Last time we were in Puerto Rico, my hair was purple. So we got here and people looked at me like, huh, Uh, (laughs) like suddenly your hair is a salt and pepper. And I don't know. I still, I still honestly, if I could blink and just have like my fabulous dark hair back, I would. It's just the effort and energy is really more than I can maintain right now. So I'm embracing my natural hair. Well, what I love about this topic, Sarah, is that it was also a huge topic on Just Like That, the new Sex and the City show on HBO Max. They started off the season debating whether or not Miranda should dye her hair, and then they ended the season on that topic as well. I won't give it away as a spoiler, but (laughs) I love that we really had our finger on the pulse with that one. We are so Sex and the City, Liz. We really are. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, number 23 is from episode 80, and it's the episode where we talk about our friend Nichelle Tramble's mom telling her to get to step in. Nichelle had a job that was just awful, and she was there literally for hours, and at her lunch break, she took her purse and called her mom from outside, and her mom said, do you have your purse? And Nichelle said, yes, and her mom said, then get to step in, and Nichelle did not go back to that job, and... (laughs) First of all, genius mother. Yes. And it's really such a reminder to just not stay in a job that is going to suck your soul away. Yes. And then Nichelle got us get to step in um, t-shirts to hike in, which we also appreciated. (laughs) Yes. Love. Sarah, number 24 is a funny one. Um, In episode 20, you and I said that we were going to be embracing our inner Grinch about office birthdays. Office birthdays are this ongoing topic of debate um, at offices. How much do you celebrate? Is it once a month? Is it for everyone's birthday? Do you get a cake? Do you get a card? Do you get a gift? And you and I sort of declared that we were just not going to deal with office birthdays, but we got so much pushback so many well-thought-out arguments about why it is important to celebrate office birthdays that we actually rescinded that. 
Although I will say on Fantasy Island, because of the remote nature of it, we really haven't done office birthdays. We are Grinches at the moment. That's true. We did declare that it was just beyond the realm of something that we could do. We... We declared a, a universal happy birthday. Our yes. plan was to have like a nice holiday lunch where we just celebrated all of us and everything. But then Omicron came and we have never even managed to do that. So, yes, it's hard to have like an office lunch or an office birthday or office celebration when you don't actually have the office part of it. So not our fault. Right. And when you can't get together in person <laughs> anywhere. Yes. Yes. Okay, Sarah, do you want to reveal our absolute favorite, favorite segment we've ever done? Yes, I have the honor of saying number 25, which is actually number one. It's our absolute favorite segment and topic that we've covered on this podcast, which is Say Fuck in a Meeting. It was the Hollywood hack of our very first episode and it still resonates today. Yes, it does. And we hear from people all the time who say, <laughs> I said fuck in the meeting and I got the job. I don't know if that's why, but I did say fuck and I did get the job. Just lets people know that you can hang, that they're not going to have to watch what they say around you. Yes, which in a writer's room is very important. It is. Of course, we couldn't have gotten to 250 episodes, Sarah, without our listeners. We can't thank you all enough for listening and for joining our Facebook group and for emailing us and just generally being a part of our Happier in Hollywood community. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And here is to 250 more, Liz, and beyond. That's right. To infinity and beyond. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. And if we missed a segment that you think we absolutely should have included, please let us know and uh, maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. And we also couldn't have gotten through these 250 episodes without our amazing executive producer, Chuck Reed. Thank you to him and to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts. Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at SFain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Sarah, when we go through all these segments, I feel like we need to go back and relearn every single thing. Oh, no. Not every single thing. Maybe well, some of them. 15 out of the 25? Yes. That sounds right. Yeah, we should go back and listen to our own advice. <laughs> From the Onward Project.